You're listening to the American Girl Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Kristen. And I'm Sydney. And this is the American Girl Fan Club. So Sydney, what is your AG moment of the week? So this last week, I learned that a historical museum in Rhode Island is hosting an American Girl-themed event for adults in their 20s and 30s. And that alone makes my heart so happy because it's validating the idea that you're never like too old to have your childhood loves. But specifically at this event, you're encouraged to bring your favorite American girl you had growing up and chill and walk around with other people who are still loving and appreciating American Girl. And I just keep thinking, I so wish that you and I could go to this event together. I would love that. I know. I mean, it it feels like the kind of atmosphere that allows you to break down the like act like a grown-up standard that we've all set for ourselves, and it gives us the freedom to feel whimsical and imaginative again around other people um, without worrying about feeling sheepish and embarrassed. And I think we need more of that. Yeah. So, Kristen, what was your AG moment of the week? Well, at the time we're currently recording this episode, it was most mm-hmm. recently the American Girl benefit sale. So talk about an American Girl event. Uh, that is probably one of the biggest American Girl events that happen uh, annually. Uh, it is held in Madison, Wisconsin. And it is my favorite American Girl event. I've gone, I believe, the last seven years. And the last few years, it's been only online. Uh, But it is such an amazing event where everyone just comes together. There's meetups, there's vendors, and it all goes to charity. And it's just such a wonderful event. Uh, And I think it's been so great seeing people connect with it over on Instagram, sharing their hauls. Mm -hmm. It's just so much fun. And my package comes tomorrow. So I'm very excited about that. Oh my gosh, what what did you get? What did you get? I got a CYO, which I think is really fun that the CYOs have been at the sale in the most recent years. And I got Mm -hmm. two Truly Me dolls. Yeah, the, the benefit sale is one of those things that I always wanted to go to, um, and I never got the chance just because I don't travel all that much. Um, but now that everything's kind of opening back up, I would love to go sometime in the future. We should we should definitely plan a trip together. Absolutely. That's like one of the best meetups of the year. Mm-hmm. So in today's episode, we are going to do a deep dive into another historical character, which we love to do, and this time it's Rebecca Rubin. Now, when Rebecca came out, I was 10 or 11 years old, and I knew very little about Judaism or the Jewish culture, and I remember getting the box set of Rebecca's books and becoming utterly entranced as I read them. I found her holiday story especially interesting, um, since her experience and views regarding Christmas and that time of year were very different from my own. Um, Also, her Rebecca in the movies book is so fun. Like, I'm sure you can identify with this too, Kristen, but I always wanted to be an extra in a movie as a kid. And this book was written in a way that made that dream seem like viable in a really exciting, plausible way. How about you, Kristen? What was your relationship with Rebecca and her books? you have any fun memories? Well, I always wanted American Girl to create a doll that was an actress and specifically mm-hmm. a theater doll. Uh, and I'm still hoping for a theater kid to be the girl of the year one year. But I was so excited when an actor came to the historical line. All of her costume pieces and props and accessories just so adorable. Uh, when I was I in high school, all I wanted for Christmas one year was a director's chair with my name on the back of it. And when I finally saw that Rebecca had one, I was like, okay, well, Minnie Kristen needs it. Sorry, Rebecca, but Minnie Kristen (laughs) needs it so it can go in her room. Um, But it was just the cutest little thing. And when I was in college, I studied theater, but I also took a Jewish studies class. And my final report was on Rebecca. I just saw this great opportunity to bring my doll into class. And I'm like, I'm going to take it. Uh, So it was really fun to combine my love of theater and dolls. And actually, that's what the report was about. Not necessarily dolls, but uh, theater and Jewish culture. And I got to incorporate Rebecca into that. Uh, report. Oh my so gosh. My, what was what? Yeah, what was your professor's my reaction? My professor was so excited because she saw this doll, and and she doesn't really know, she didn't know too much about American Girl, but like I brought the doll, uh-huh. the book, and then the report again didn't necessarily specifically have to do with Rebecca, but it had to yeah. do with like a lot of the uh, theater and culture of Jewish culture at the time. So I was like, this is an opportunity to bring dolls into my classroom, and I'm going to do it. <laughs> I love that you did that so much. I applaud you. That is fantastic. I don't think I would have had quite the the gumption it took, but I feel like you took inspiration from Rebecca to just get up there and show everyone your doll. And oh, I love that so much, Kristen. It helped that that, th- that teacher who was teaching the Jewish studies class was a theater teacher. So she mm. kind of crossed over both. And I'm like, yay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, one thing I think is really important about Rebecca's story um, is that she was the first Jewish historical American Girl character. And this was at a time when American Girl stories celebrated and often centered around Christmas. Rebecca's story centered on Hanukkah and other Jewish traditions. 
And this really allowed for more girls to feel represented and seen by the brand that they loved, but maybe didn't feel as connected to. Exactly. It was a big moment for American Girl and American Girl fans when Rebecca entered the scene. And we'll find out. Her story was based on a lot of real people's real experiences, families, mm -hmm. relationships, and history. I'm really excited to chat with two people who helped create Rebecca's impactful story. We have the author of Rebecca's books, Jacqueline Dunbar-Green, with us today, who will be sharing her experience and personal process of creating Rebecca's story. We are also joined by Jennifer Hirsch, executive editor at American Girl, who worked closely with Jackie to bring Rebecca to life. So let's get started. Jackie and Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having us. This is great. Jackie, can you take us from the beginning? How did this American Girl character come to be and kind of what inspired her story? Well, it was a very busy night in my household when Jennifer called. My parents were visiting for a few days and my husband was late home from work and dinner was way past being ready. Everything was very chaotic trying to keep my dad happy because he was pretty grumpy he wanted to eat and the phone rang and when I answered it um, I heard a, a lovely voice on the other side of the on the other end of the phone identify herself as Jennifer Hirsch and she said that she was calling from American Girl and she had found me by reading two of my historical novels that had come out previously and they were about two sisters who had been taken from their family by the Spanish Inquisition. And they were two books which were parallel to each other, tracing the two stories. Um, the books are called Out of Many Waters and One Foot Ashore. And Jennifer said that had sparked her interest in asking me if I would be interested in creating a Jewish immigrant character for American Girl, and also that uh, it could be set anytime between 1880 and 1917. So she was definitely looking for the immigrant time mm -hmm. period when there was this massive immigration to the United States. So um, first of all, she asked me in the midst of all that was going on, little did she know. <laughs> and she said, is this a good time? And I said, sure. <laughs> <laughs> She's always agreeable and easygoing. It's one of the things we love about her. <laughs> How did you settle on 1914 for Rebecca? Well, well, I'll just give a little bit of background and then you can tell how you narrowed it even further. So before we even went out to any authors or started looking for authors, um, we had done, we, we, so we have a full-time PhD level research historian at American Girl. We always have since the beginning of the company. And the researcher at that time, um, he, he studied the six major periods of Jewish immigration into the U.S. And we kind of looked at the themes and the events that happened around that time. And it was really clear that that huge wave of immigration around the turn of the 20th century is when um, there was kind of a critical mass of, of culture that came in and it was centered around New York and it, it changed America. Like without those Jewish immigrants, America would be a different place. And so I really felt it needed to be that wave of immigrant um, that the story was about. Is there anything specific about four with American Girl? Yeah. <laughs> well, I raised two sons. So the only reason I even knew what American Girl was is because my next door neighbor's daughter would come over regularly to visit with me. And she had been saving up for her own American girl character doll, you know, historical character doll, as well as the books. And when she finally got this, um, achieved her goal and everything came in the mail, she ran over to show me. And that's when I first saw the books and the dolls. So at least I knew that, but I really hadn't read a lot of them or known too much about it. So the next day when I went to the library uh, to start doing some background research, the first thing I did was take out all the American Girl books I could put my hand on. And I realized that the historical characters, the years where they were set, all ended in four. And I didn't know why, but I thought, well, I'm making this proposal. So if I use a year that ends in 
four, maybe they'll think I'm really on top of this and I know everything about the company. And it did seem like the later time, rather than say 1884 or 1894, simply also because of what Jennifer said, there was just so much going on by 1914. Plus it was on the cusp of America getting into World War I. And there was that sense of urgency and it electrified the society. I think people were really looking at the world and it seemed like the perfect time period. So, so that's how it came about. Yeah, what I liked about that, about Jackie's choice of the of later in that immigration period is, um, so so we did have, one of our original characters is Kirsten Larson, who immigrates from Sweden in, I think, 18, the 1850s. And she hers is very much the sort of quintessential immigration story. So we didn't want to tell that again, just the same story, but a different culture. Um, and what Jackie proposed is that Rebecca's a girl, she's born in America. You know, she's first generation and her her parents came over when they were teens and her grandparents came over as adults and so you get this interplay of generations uh, where the parents and grandparents kind of represent more of an old world outlook on culture and society and practices um, the parents are a little more forward thinking but Rebecca you know she's American I mean she's yes she's a Jewish girl but she She's American first and foremost. And so that drove a lot of the conflicts in the story, both large and small. And, and the other thing I liked about it is it is that something universal to all immigrants? You know, it, it's not only for Jewish immigrants, it's any immigrants, Asian American, or just any kind of immigrant, they're gonna go through that kind of tension over assimilation that the younger generation uh, will, will experience. And so I thought it was just a really smart um, kind of angle on the story. Well, Jackie and Jennifer, can you share a little bit more about the research process and how you created Rebecca's story? Yeah, I can start uh, talking a little bit about that. So, so when she was created originally, there were six books, and each book has a theme. So there's a school story, there's a you know meet Rebecca, and then a story about that's centered in school and a holiday story, summer story, and so on. And so we knew we wanted to sort of explore different different things in each story, different themes, but there also has to be kind of a what we call an arc, um, a, a conflict or, or some motivation that pulls the reader through the entire series. Um, so we, we had Mark, uh, our historian, who sort of teed up different themes and different events that were happening in the world. Um, at one point, it became very difficult to leave Europe because the fall of after August 1914, um, pretty much shipping started to shut down. And uh, so Rebecca want, Rebecca's cousins are trying to leave Russia and join Rebecca's family in America. So we would sort of go through like, okay, what's happening in the world? And also what, what do we feel is relevant? Like we really wanted to show the impact of Jewish Americans in the labor movement and the rise of Hollywood and just mo movies in general. And so we would kind of look at how to kind of parse those out over the series. And um, I know Jackie has a particularly interesting story about the holiday book. One of the things I thought made the Rebecca stories a bit unique in talking about the immigration experience is that this was showing an American girl who is experiencing helping an immigrant family. She's very attached to her cousin when her cousin Anna comes over. And yet everything that she's doing, she is discovering what it's like for Anna. But at first, she's only thinking about Anna's arrival from her point of view, what it means to her how she's going to do different things with Anna. And little by little, she realizes how difficult it is. And so I liked having the opportunity to help Rebecca gain some compassion and some understanding. And I felt this made a huge difference for all readers. It kept it universal. And it meant that 
any young person reading the books who goes to school with any other students who are immigrants from any other country would perhaps have a little more compassion and a little more empathy with how difficult it is for those students to come to a new country and start a new life. Um, the holiday story was one that Jennifer and I brainstormed for quite a while. And um, as soon as she mentioned um, the idea of trying to combine the, the holiday period with Christmas and Hanukkah and so forth, um, I remembered a time when I was in third grade. I had a really tough teacher. She was very strict and very demanding and very overbearing. <laughs> she came in one day in December with a pile of greens and some various materials and some candles. And she announced that we were all going to make a centerpiece for our Christmas dinner table. And I was the only Jewish child in the class. And no way was I going to say anything to this teacher, I, I was not Rebecca. I mean, Rebecca hesitates, she really does. And that's what I could relate to. I wasn't like her friend Rose who stands up and says, well, in our family, we don't celebrate Christmas. You know, that was not me, that was never me. And at the beginning, it wasn't Rebecca either because that was her third story. And it's not until her sixth story that she gains yes. like the you know strength to stand up and she speak looks up. around. She's trying to see what everybody else is doing. For me, and when I was in third grade, every day that I made that centerpiece, I was more and more worried about what my family was going to say when I brought home this very obviously Christmassy decoration. And I paralleled that story into Rebecca's experience, but I let Rebecca solve the, the situation in her own creative way. Whereas for me, I have to admit that my mother helped solve the problem, <laughs> um, but it worked out really well for the story and mm -hmm. it meshed so beautifully. I also liked writing the holiday story because it gave me an opportunity to show how other Jewish families were dealing with the Christmas atmosphere, the decorations, the general mm -hmm. excitement going on. So her father, who runs a shoe store, gets to talk about what he's having to do in the store. Other kids in Rebecca's classroom who are Jewish are talking about what they do in their family. So it gave me a chance to show that different families, just like today, are adapting in different ways and they are adjusting to different customs in their own way, whatever works for them. And Rebecca gets to think about all of this and balance this and in the end, try to decide what her goal is, what mm -hmm. she thinks is best for her. So I, I really enjoyed sharing that personal background in within the story and making it work for Rebecca. I love that so much. Um, reading the Rebecca books, I remember feeling as a eight, nine, 10 year old, just how strongly her character arc develops. And oh. I love where she starts and where she ends. And to me, that's kind of where all of the American girls um, resonated so strongly with me growing up, seeing how they changed and kind of viewing that as a way for myself to change and allowing me to grow. So I love that you wrote that. And thank you for putting in your own your own story. It's, it's wonderful. It's great to hear your take on it. Oh. That's very, very good. I, I love thank hearing you. that. Very warm. <laughs> Jackie, what did you feel was the most important thing for you to include in Rebecca's story? Well, um, I would say that one of the things I always think about when I write historical fiction, which I do quite a lot, is I like to remind myself that you could take the word history, and if you use a little imagination and you try to break it in half, you get his story, or it could be her story, her story. 
because history is a telling of someone's experience, what they lived through. And so number one, when I write any historical fiction, I always want to make sure that the reader feels as though they can step into a different time period and find a friend and go along and experience that life. With this particular story with Rebecca, I also wanted to include Jewish values and make sure that Rebecca's life and her upbringing was reflecting how she is learning from her family, from her parents, from her grandparents, from the people around her about different Jewish values and trying to figure out how they fit in with her views and her life. So there were two in particular. Um, one value that um, is very important in Jewish life is doing mitzvahs, which are good deeds, doing something kind for people. You know how often these days we hear somebody say, be kind. It's so important. And this is something that Rebecca is watching. She's seeing her father, what he does in his store to help people who are not able to buy a pair of shoes, but they need a pair of shoes and how kindly he can do them a little favor, a little service. The other one is called tikkun olam, which is repair the world. And it means that every person can find a way to make the world a little better, kinder place. And for Rebecca, she's seeing big issues. For example, labor conditions, working conditions for immigrants. She's seeing poverty. She's seeing many different things and feeling as though maybe she can't really do anything about that. What can she do? She's just one girl. And then she starts to find ways. She thinks she's going to write a letter to the editor of the Yiddish newspaper and talk about what she's seen in a clothing factory. At another time, she's talking or thinking about how things could change if she didn't think about herself first, but thought mm -hmm. about her cousin coming over from Russia and what they need. And so it's a girl's eye view of very big issues and how we learn to think about these things, make decisions as we grow. And as Rebecca grapples with these different ideas, she starts to find her own goals and realize what's important to her and how one person can really make a difference. You did an, a wonderful job of giving Rebecca agency in her own story. And I think that's very important in children's literature that they're not just taking on what their parents or their grandparents believe, but actually thinking for, about things themselves and trying to problem solve about what's going on in their, their world right now. Well, Jennifer, I was also wondering from the American Girl side of things, what did you feel was the most important to the brand um, to include in Rebecca's story? Yeah, so I I wanted her story to be universally appealing and relevant. I mean, I, I knew it would appeal to Jewish families and Jewish readers, but I wanted everyone to fall in love with Rebecca and also to just understand her, her family, um, and sort of the position of her culture. So... Um, one, one of the most important principles, I, well, I, I, I look for aspects of Jewish culture that I think are universally relatable, whether, you know, they're at the core of the sort of Judeo-Christian uh, thought system or just they are core to us as human beings. Um, and I should say, so my family, my father's side is, is very Jewish. They were Zionists. My grandparents moved to Israel. My mother's side is more from Christian tradition. And neither side is particularly religious, but they both identify sort of with their heritage as, as we all do. Um, so I sort of knew both, and, and I knew that one of the most important principles central to Jewish culture and belief is the imperative to do the right thing. And that is something, it's not to get into heaven, 
It's not for the afterlife. You're doing it because it's the right thing to do here on earth now in your lifetime. That is sort of one difference between the two traditions. So in each of Rebecca's stories, uh, we see Rebecca wrestle with this imperative. I mean, she doesn't use the phrase, do the right thing. Um, it might be phrased, as Jackie said, of it's a mitzvah um, or tikkun olam, you know, the right thing to do for another person or the right thing to do for the world. Those are kind of how it's characterized in, in the Jewish tradition. Um, and so in her story, she wrestles with that because the answer isn't always clear. Sometimes her teachers or her grandparents are telling her one thing is the right thing to do, but in her heart, she thinks something different is the right thing to do. Or, or she decides to do something like raise money for her cousin's um, boat trip from Russia to America by putting on a performance on her front stoop in the Lower East Side. And she thinks this is a great idea because performers can make money and they need money. And her grandmother is horrified because acting is not really considered very proper for a young lady. So you know, she, throughout her series, she's trying to figure out what's the right thing to do. And of course, that is a foreshadowing of a later story when she gets cast very unexpectedly in a movie and she knows her elders would be horribly disapproving, but she wants to become an actress. So for her, it is the right thing to do. And then the big question that kind of drives through the story is, does she tell them? How does she tell them? What will they think? You know, and these, these are really burning questions for her. And, and as Jackie said, as part of that process, she has to learn to think for herself, um, just because sometimes the right thing to do is different from the thing that she's being told to do. Um, and, and figuring that out, again, is a universal part of growing up in any culture. So I, I, I really loved having that be kind of the core theme of her series. Well, Jackie, we are so excited to talk about this next piece. We've read that your personal life has influenced a lot of things in Rebecca's books. Can you share something specific in her story that was inspired by yourself or your personal life? Well, one of the things that I did do, because this was set in 1914, my parents were in their late 80s or so, um, early 90s. And even though they lived, grew up a little bit later than Rebecca's time period, they had a lot of memories of some similar things. And I talked to my parents, I talked to aunts and uncles, I talked to friends of the family who were older in their 90s and tried to mine some of their thoughts and memories. And I had a couple of instances where I felt that I learned something about my parents that I had never known before. Um, for one thing, my mother, was always huge on teaching, on making sure we knew how to sew. And she always wanted an updated sewing machine. We must have changed sewing machines four times. And each time there was a little bit better model, but I never saw my mother use it once. And when I was working on this story, I happened to mention that there was a story I was working on with Rebecca that was set in a clothing factory. And my mother got very quiet. And then she started telling me about how she and one of her sisters had gotten a summer job when they were about 18 years old, working in a clothing factory. I never heard this story before. It was a summer job. And my mother and my aunt really were excellent seamstresses. They knew how to make clothing without a pattern. They could make a dress, anything. Yet I never saw my mother do that. And she told the story of what it was like working in this clothing factory. And even though it was so many years after 1914, it mirrored very closely what I had been reading about these horrible conditions with no air, very little light, the noise, having to work faster and faster and faster, nobody allowed to talk or sing or hum, no breaks. When they had lunch break for 20 minutes in the middle of the day, they had to line up. Uh, she said they stood in line for the bathroom and ate their lunch while they were standing in line waiting to use the bathroom. When my mother told me this story, I. I was stunned and she said 
she and her sister, after a couple of weeks, came back home and begged their parents to not make them work there anymore. And when their parents realized what it was like, they, they told them they did not have to work there. So I was able to incorporate those feelings, that sense of atmosphere from a very personal perspective, which I had never learned before. On a more fun note, um, when I told my dad that I was writing about Coney Island and had read a book written by a man who was talking all about his experience with Coney Island, my father told me a story about how when he was 10 years old, he was visiting a 10-year-old cousin in New York City and her parents, his aunt and uncle, gave them each, uh, I think, 50 cents or something and sent them off to Coney Island for the day with no adults. <laughs> I was horrified. <laughs> and my father started telling me about all the things they did, but his biggest memory was about the Ferris wheel. And I didn't know that you used to have to stand up in a Ferris wheel and they packed the cars full of people standing up. What? And he talked about the noise and the movement, how it kept rocking and they were petrified and thrilled at the same time and wrote it multiple times. <laughs> so I knew I had to focus on the Ferris wheel. So oh those stories were, were very interesting to learn about it. It's always, we don't even know what questions to ask our parents and our grandparents mm -hmm. when we're younger. And if we're lucky, those things come out eventually. But um, it's so hard to know what the right questions are. So yeah, who, I was glad think? to be able to use these in Rebecca's stories. Who would think to ask any of those specific questions? I had no idea about Ferris wheels. That's, that's <laughs> quite quite an experience it must have been. Um, Jennifer, did you have any other personal stories um, that made it into the books as well? Yes, in a in kind of a different way. Um, so I mentioned that my my father's side of the family, his parents, so my grandparents were both uh, Russian Jewish immigrants, and. Um, when it came time to do the so the the nonfiction essay in the back of each book um, is usually written by the editor, uh, so that was me. And um, the these essays are just short essays talking about the themes and the time period and kind of the historical setting of the book and trying to help young readers understand. Although this is a fiction story, things like this really happen. People like this had these actual experiences and um, we always need photographs. And so um, I still have my grandmother's samovar uh, that she brought over from Russia. And the samovar has a, you know, a little feature in Rebecca's story because it's one of the things her cousin Anna's family does bring with them. And this is what people did. They, they brought a few things. Uh, so my family brought the brass samovar, um, a little bit of tableware, um, and and then some beautiful linen tea towels, and they were monogrammed in Russian. And so if you do get a copy of the original Meet Rebecca with the, the photographs in the back, um, there is a there is a photograph featuring a samovar, and I think it's like a lo maybe a loaf of challah, which is like a braided bread, um, Sabbath bread, and then it's on a Russian tea towel. And those are my grandmother's, you know, had been originally my grandmother's thing. So that was how my part of the story got in. Oh, very cool! So your your very own photo of these items are yeah, in the book. Yeah, that's we, wonderful. I, mean, I did not take the photo. I brought mm -hmm. the items in, and they were shot in American Girls Photo Studio because I am right. not a photographer, but the, I supplied the items. So we didn't get them from a museum. They came from my family. <laughs> I have, I've always wondered about the photos in the Peking in the past. And I think that's really fun that those are actually part of your family history. Yeah, well. yeah, that's it was wonderful. really fun. I mean, most of the photos we get from museums or mm -hmm. Library of Congress or, you know, Getty or something. But um, but occasionally, it's not the first time we've used personal photos um, from authors or editors or other staff members who just had just the right thing from the right time period and gets in the book. <laughs> well, this next question is for both of you. Um, I'm wondering what responsibility did you both feel to create American Girl's first historical Jewish character? I guess I was thinking of my readers first and foremost. And I definitely 
remembered that when I was growing up, I I was a great reader. I read books all the time. It was my favorite thing to do, go to the library and come home with an armful of books. And I never once found a book or read a book that had a Jewish character in it. So for one thing, I wanted to give the reader who might be Jewish a chance to see some of their traditions and experiences reflected in the stories. It's very validating to see a character that you can relate to on some level. But at the same time, I also felt that non-Jewish readers were going to get their first, sometimes their very first, introduction to Jewish practices and beliefs and culture. And I wanted them to feel that Rebecca was their friend who was showing them and introducing them to what her life was like and how it might be different from what their life was like. Um, one of the one of the letters I got after the books came out was one of the best letters ever. It was beautifully written. It came from a young girl who was a student at a Catholic school. And she had read the Rebecca books um, from the library. And she wrote to say that she had known absolutely nothing about the Jewish religion until she read the books. And she was so excited to see that Christian values and Jewish values were so similar. She had no idea, probably because she had never thought about it. And why would she until she entered Rebecca's world? And that was very exciting for me to hear because I felt as though one of the goals I had um, one of the responsibilities I felt, which was sharing the Jewish religion with the reader, really did work. And um, if that's the only thing that a reader takes away from the stories, that's that's great. <laughs> I'd say my goals were pretty similar. I wanted readers, any reader to fall in love with Rebecca, but I also felt sort of a responsibility for those readers who weren't Jewish. And I knew that would be the majority of readers. Um, to understand kind of the basics of the Jewish, uh, not, you know, religion, but even more just culture. And what, what does it mean to say you're Jewish? Because the books don't go much into religious practices in any kind of detail. Um, and it doesn't talk about theology or, you know, anything like that. But I, I wanted girls to understand, or readers of any kind, to understand the practices that they might encounter growing up in America. So Hanukkah, Passover, maybe a bar mitzvah, um, possibly a Sabbath dinner, something like that. So Jackie and I worked hard to um, be sure that we included, like, what is Hanukkah? What does it stand for? And it and um, same thing with Passover. What is Passover? It's sort of around the time of Easter, but is it Easter? Well, no, actually it's more, you know, so, so we made sure to have those stories told and they're told um, sort of orally. They're conveyed. They're not, it's not all serious. They're not in like a Sabbath shul or anything like that. Um, but just we, I feel like as part of cultural literacy, you know, Americans should know that. And, and so that was one of the responsibilities uh, that, you know, we, we, something we definitely wanted to achieve in telling her story. Yeah. Jackie, did you have any concerns that Rebecca's story couldn't represent an experience from every Jewish immigrant family? We couldn't do that. That, that, that wasn't something that you could ever do. But, and I wouldn't say it was a concern in the sense that it wasn't anything that worried me, but I was trying to follow the research that I read about how the Jewish immigrant families assimilated and how they had different um, ways of adapting to American culture. So by having three generations in Rebecca's family, I was able to show the changes that came about from Rebecca's grandparents, who are extremely traditional, and are trying very hard to make sure that the family follows all the traditional customs and you know the things that she that they're used to. At the same time, Rebecca and her siblings, who are so Americanized, they were born in America, they're watching so many exciting changes, 
movies, for example, Coney Island, the amusement park, all kinds of things that they are exposed to, how they incorporate it and what things they are interested in doing, how that fits in, as well as the parents. For example, um, we had, I've had some Jewish families say, how could you let Rebecca's father work on Saturdays when that's the Jewish Sabbath? Well, in Russia, they didn't have to work on Saturdays because they lived in their own communities mm -hmm. and they mm -hmm. followed their own practices. But in America, we hear Rebecca's father say he doesn't want to have to keep his shoe store open on Saturdays, but that's when he gets most of his customers and he's supporting the entire family. So there's five children, his wife, his wife's parents, he's working for all of them. The other thing I did was all of these changes of what the families had to do or how they changed was based on the majority of what the immigrants did when they arrived in America and got settled. So this was all backed up by research and personal stories. So I knew I was in the mainstream of what actually happened. And at the same time, I tried to bring in minor characters who do things differently in their families. And that gave a chance to balance a little bit so that readers coming from different observances in their own families could see how there were other families doing different things than Rebecca's. Plus, we put a little preamble in the story that said this was the way one Jewish immigrant family could have lived in 1914. We never tried to pretend that this was speaking for every family. Yeah, and that's that's something that we sort of run into at American Girl because we can't tell every possible story. We kind of have to pick one. You know, when we told a Native American story, we had to pick one girl in one mm -hmm. tribe in one mm -hmm. location. And so it's it's always a little bit of a challenge. Some people are frustrated or disappointed that a story they think should be similar to their experience isn't as similar as they wanted it to be. Um, you know, so it's it's a, something that we kind of have to balance. But but Jackie's right that we at least make sure that what we do tell is backed up by uh, research showing that many people had very similar experiences, um, although others had different experiences. There's something that everyone can relate to in some way in this story. Absolutely. Do either of you have a favorite memory from when you were writing and creating the Rebecca books? My favorite part of it was having an entire team of people all there for support and input and assistance and help. I had never written a book that I didn't do all alone by myself in a room with no one to talk to or share it with really um, until it was finished. But we did all take a wonderful trip to New York City before we started the writing when we had the ideas and the main character. But and sort of an arc, because I did all that in the proposal. But by going to New York, it was a chance to see things firsthand. So we went to the Eldridge Street Synagogue on the Lower East Side, which was just being renovated. And if you're in New York at any time, it is a most historic building and beautiful to see. So I was able to use that in the stories. Um, the entire atmosphere of the Lower East Side. We got to see the school that Rebecca would have gone to, which was PS 64. And it turned out that it's still there and it's mm -hmm. a community center. And we got to go in and see some historic pictures of the school. So that helped me in writing some of the scenes that were set in the school when Rebecca is in school. Um, also, we saw so many aspects of New York that I wouldn't have known about before. And we were there as a team. So the illustrator was there. The, um, the art director was there. Jennifer, of course, was there. Um, the research director was there. And it was 
just so exciting to do all of that. The Tenement Museum on um, Orchard Street, where you get to go inside a tenement and see what it was like to live in that time in those buildings. It was all just immeasurably helpful. It is an amazing memory for me, too. And I'm just going to kind of bookend that with my other favorite memory, which is the day Rebecca launched um, in 2009. I think it was like June 1st or 2nd. And uh, so Jackie and I were in New York City for the launch. I was at our American Girl store on Fifth Avenue and Jackie walks. She was going to do a book signing. So I got there a little ahead and kind of set things up. And when she walked into the store, I didn't, I didn't, you know, this was a little before cell phones. So she didn't like text me or any, I mean, I knew about when she was going to show up, but Mm -hmm. I was busy. And suddenly I hear this screaming. It was like Beatlemania, you know, (laughs) here, I'm aging myself here, but (laughs) you've never seen the movies. Um, And I was like, what happened? And I go, I run to the top of the stairs and I look down and Jackie has walked in and she is mobbed by all these girls. And Rebecca had just launched and Jackie had never written for us before. So I don't know how they knew her, but they knew. And She signed books for like four hours. I mean, it, there were lines around the block, all these little girls clutching their Rebecca doll. The store sold out of every single Rebecca doll and every wow. single Rebecca book, hardcover, softcover, book one, book six, like everything in, in inventory, Rebecca was sold out. <laughs> so after, <laughs> after all the years of effort and thought and planning that we had put into it, it, it was incredibly uh, rewarding and, and thrilling to be part of that. Shocking. Yeah, I was going to ask Jackie, how did it feel to be a celebrity that day? Oh my goodness, that must have been amazing. It was completely unprepared, completely. (laughs) I had never experienced anything like that. And I learned as I went around in the coming months, as I went around to do programs, um, the first few were just overwhelming. All the kids and the excitement. And I just wasn't used to being at the center of attention like that. <laughs> but over time, it it made me a more confident person. Rebecca changed me because of that. You know, I, I learned to be a little more outgoing and um, less, <laughs> I think I want to say less withdrawn around a crowd <laughs> because you can't be with, with something like this. And I, I, I just loved it. It was really exciting very exciting yeah i never saw jackie being withdrawn even that day in the store on launch day she was poised and gracious and just posing with all these little girls and talking to every single one of them and making them feel important in their like you know little uh, moment of uh, rubbing shoulders with celebrity and stardom um and she you know she later told me oh i think i you know got a migraine but could not see it. She was always just very lovely and gracious, which which is important to us because our authors, you know, they become more than authors. They become ambassadors for the character mm-hmm. and the brand. And um, Jackie has been a really wonderful one for many years. Thank you. (laughs) Well, Jackie, you mentioned that one girl who wrote you a letter, um, but I was wondering if you had any other stories as well. I love, I love hearing those stories because I was very much one of those little girls growing up who wanted to write the author and just tell them how much these books meant to me. It's great to get these uh, letters from kids who have read the book and hear different things about their reactions. But I actually had um, two other things that I thought I might mention, and Mm -hmm. that is At one of my early programs, two elderly sisters in their 90s took a taxi to one of my programs. I think I was in Philadelphia. And I was introduced to them. They had asked to speak to me separately. And the people running the program facilitated that, brought us to a quiet spot where we could talk. And these two women were very, a little bit shy, but also I could see they were very proud. Mm-hmm. and they introduced themselves and they thanked me for writing the books and then they very carefully took a sepia photograph from their pur one of the purses and held it up to me showed it to me and said this is our mother Rebecca Rubin who came from Russia 
to America in 1914. No. It was the most touching moment. I was I was practically weeping. <laughs> Jackie, I cannot imagine even, I mean, that that's just incredible. And they hugged me and they <sighs> thanked me for telling the story and said it meant so much to them. So that was one incident that was just incredible. I'll never forget it. And the other one was a little bit different, but it, there was an immigrant family at one of my programs and there was there were two parents and a boy and a girl brother and sister mm-hmm. and after it was over they came up to me and the father said that they had read the books aloud as a family they had shared them together and how much they enjoyed them but he said something very important happened when they read the second book, which was Rebecca and Anna, when Anna comes over and goes to school for the first time, Mm -hmm. it gave their children an opening to talk about their own experience as immigrants in an American school. And he said that he and his wife had had no idea what their children had been going through and experiencing at school. And this book enabled them to have a voice and to feel comfortable talking about their experiences. And he said so many things that happened in the books were very similar to what was happening to their children. And remember, this is almost 100 years afterwards. And it wasn't the Jewish... They weren't Jewish, right? They were not Jewish. Completely different culture, different part of the world. Completely. And it was a very moving moment for me. And I got to talk to the kids for a little while and they were fairly quiet, but I was Mm -hmm. able to validate them, I hope, and to say how important it was to be able to talk about these things. And that I hope that as as their friends you know, maybe were exposed to these books or that they were able to talk about the books with their friends at school, that that would give them a little chance to share who they are and what they're going through. And they were they were very pleased to, I think, be able to relate and see that I was a real person. I didn't mm-hmm. just make this up, you know, it was, well, I did kind of. <laughs> Oh, it must have felt so extremely validating to just see so many kids identifying with Rebecca who may have grown up very differently from her, but seeing themselves in this story. Um, and I just thank you so much for writing this. Thank you. I'm so glad I had this opportunity. It was a life changer for oh, me. Well, for our last question, we wanted to ask Jennifer, um, what about Rebecca do you think girls still resonate with most today? I think the tension that Rebecca feels between the expectations of her parents and grandparents and what they they want for her and her own hopes and dreams. And I, I think that's very universal. I think every child experiences that. Um, you want to please your parents, um, but you also know what, you know, what they want might for, for you might not be what you want. Um, so in Rebecca's stories, she dreams of being a movie star. Um, and in, in, in that era, movies were just becoming a big thing. Um, they were they were all silent movies, but they were already incredibly popular. And you had stars like huge stars like Charlie Chaplin. Um, but acting as a profession was really not considered respectable, um, whether it was vaudeville. I mean, that all sort of came out of vaudeville, which was regarded as pretty sketchy. <laughs> um, so if you, you know, you were from a sort of upwardly mobile, aspiring middle class family, you wouldn't really want your daughter to want to become an actor or maybe not even your son. Um And Rebecca knew this. She knows this because her uncle is a vaudeville actor who then becomes a movie actor. And even though she adores him and idolizes him, she sees that her parents and especially the grandparents aren't very supportive and think it's like not a good way to make a living. They don't respect it. And the idea that their daughter would do that is like, you wouldn't even mention that. So she knows this is a problem. There's something she has to keep secret. Um, her parents want her to become a teacher, which is one of the, was a high, being a teacher was a highly respected profession and one of the few professions that 
females, you know, young women could enter. I mean, Rebecca was too young, but that's what they wanted her to aspire to. And that's what they aspired to for her. Um, so, and I think every girl can relate to that pull between wanting to please your parents, but also having your own dreams and, and kind of feeling like, well, my parents just don't understand. And Rebecca certainly feels that they don't understand movies. Mm -hmm. They don't understand that even, you know, that, that people admire movie stars, you know, people want to be movie stars. And um, so when she does get cast a small part in a movie, um, this there this huge question we we didn't even exactly have to ask it but it it propels the reader through the second half of her series which is is Rebecca ever gonna you know she's keeping this secret it's a huge secret um are her parents gonna find out if they do what will they say what will they think will they criticize or condemn her is there some way she can make them understand that she doesn't want to be a teacher that's just not her dream and in the in the sixth book where she learns um, another kind of sort of speaking out, um, stepping up and speaking out that doesn't involve stage production, but speaking out at a labor rally, um, they, they're shocked that she, that she does this, that she has kind of the poise and maturity to speak out like this. And, and, but they, she can see that they admire her for it too. And so she picks that moment to tell them, you know, yes, I know how to do this and there's something else I do too, that I want to do, um, you know, and she tells them, and even though you can see they're kind of taken aback and they're they're going to have to think about this, like they don't immediately say, oh, that's wonderful, we're delighted or anything, but they can see, okay, she's her own person. You know, she's she's going to go places in life that, that we don't necessarily know, and it might be okay. Like, she might do good things by doing that. And so, you know, that's that's how we sort of complete that arc for Rebecca. And I, as again, to answer your question, I, th I think that's something any girl can relate to, you know, whatever her dream is, um, or even any boy, the boy who wants to be a baseball mm -hmm. player, not, you know, wh whatever it might be, a, a doctor or something <laughs> uh, that his parents want for him. So, um, or any child just who has a different, a different vision of themselves and their life than, than their elders do. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's one of the kind of what's at the heart of her, her story. Thank you both so much for joining us today and having this wonderful conversation about Rebecca. Yeah, thanks so much for giving us the opportunity. It was great fun. Thank you so much. <laughs> that was absolutely incredible being able to talk to Jennifer and Jackie. Um, I loved hearing about the writing and research process and I feel like I'm finally beginning to understand what it's actually like to create a historical character like Rebecca from scratch, which is something I've always wanted to know my entire life. Kristen, what was one of your favorite moments? Well, I have to absolutely agree. I totally feel like we're learning really how these dolls are created because what I've mm -hmm. noticed throughout these interviews is that these creators are so connected and they're such good friends with each other. Even if they didn't know each other yeah. before, they just have such great memories and stories together. Uh, but my personal favorite part was when Jackie mentioned that a girl from a Catholic school wrote her a story. And I went to Catholic school my whole life. And I just thought it was so special because I can find ways that I relate to Rebecca as well, mm -hmm. uh, both culturally, religiously, and just like, like hobby-wise as well. What was your favorite moment? I have so many. I loved hearing every time Jackie talked about how her own personal life um, influenced writing Rebecca's stories, stories about her dad, her mom, and herself. Um, that was incredible. And I, I definitely felt that reading Rebecca's books. They felt very authentic to what a child feels and what a kid feels. And I, I had a lot of empathy for her character, even though I didn't go through, you know, the same, the same experiences that she did. I could definitely understand where Rebecca was coming from and feel, feel her fight and her passion. Um, and I loved hearing both Jennifer and Jackie talk about the agency that Rebecca has kind of over her own life and her own decisions. Um, you know, you, you hear what your parents and your grandparents say your whole life and your friends and and you have to like ultimately make up your own mind. And I think Rebecca's story does that really well. It shows her deciding who she is and what she thinks is right. And I love that so much. We have a lovely voicemail from a fan whose first doll was actually Rebecca Rubin. It's so wonderful to hear how much Rebecca meant to her. Let's take a listen. At the tone, please record your message. Hey, this is Scarlett from Florally Dolls over on Instagram. I just wanted to pop in and say this is so cool, and I'm so proud of you both. 
I've been an American Girl fan for ages now, and it is just so fun to see people, you know, older than just a kid still showing their passion for the company and for the spirit behind it. Um, I got my first American Girl a long time ago. It was Rebecca Rubin. And since then, I have just delved deeper into the community and discovered so many fun things and ways that I can expand my passion. Um, I remember as a little girl, I loved Rebecca and the movies, the book. Um, and I actually made a book report board about it and displayed it at our local library. And everyone thought it was so cool. So, yeah, it was really fun. Um, and I'm just so proud of you guys for doing this. Well wishes. Thank you so much for listening to American Girl Fan Club. And don't forget to write a review wherever you get podcasts. It really helps us out. If you're 18 and older, you can also give us a call at 206-395-6096 to share your favorite American Girl stories on our voicemail. And we might even share them on the show. And while you're at it, you can check out my Instagram at five hens and a cockatiel. And my Instagram at ag underscore for all ages. And don't be afraid to DM us. You can follow American Girl on Instagram at American Girl Brand for more updates on your favorite dolls, books, and of course the shows on the American Girl Podcast Network. 